and welcome back to the Why Hockey Periodical Podcast. This is Matt L, of course, and this is our third podcast every month. Of course, we always do our every two-week normal shows, Tommy, Matt O'Brien, and myself. We will be doing an interview show every one of every four weeks, and this is the first of those shows. And it, of course, is George Richards the Athletic, talking everything Panthers going forward about this season, expectations, and so much more. The next one of these shows will be October 30th when we will be releasing it, so keep your eye out for that. And of course, regular shows are coming back next week, regular Y Hockey fans. And these are going to be a little bit shorter than those others, depending on who the guest is. This show with GR is only about 45 minutes, but we hope you enjoy it. We hope you are subscribed to Y Hockey and all your favorite podcasting services. And uh, we will be back with George Richard in a second. George, it's a new hockey season. How are you doing? I'm good. What's going on? Well, I heard you had to pull over because they shut down part of Alligator Alley because the NHL only wants to have the Panthers and Lightning to start the season. Well, I'm not going to blame the NHL for the closer, you know, for Alligator Alley being closed. But, uh, yeah, you know, what are you going to do? I could have flown, I guess, you know. Everybody else flies, but... Not me. <laughs> no, apparently not. Well, no, that's what you have to nope. do. It's, it's the Alligator Alley series, although they won't give out a trophy like they used to give out that old Governor's Cup, which was weird for that one year when they did that. I know you remember when they did I, that, right? I, 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 got, you know, I got to find that trophy. It's got to be somewhere. Somebody's got that thing somewhere in an office. It's in a filing it's probably cabinet. A, it's, it's in a filing cabinet. It's probably green, I bet. I bet it's in Randy Moeller's office. Actually, you know, well, you well, the Panthers didn't beat the Lightning that year, I seem to remember. So it's probably in, actually, uh, maybe it's in, um, um, oh, I don't know, Dave Mishkin's office. Try that. Try him. Do you really think the do you really think that got handed over in any way, shape, or form? I have no idea what happened, but it, it would be the best story ever if you could find it, because that is a deep cut. A Florida Panthers Bay Lightning deep cut. There you go. I, I do we'll remember, figure it out. I do remember that being a thing that season. It was the weirdest thing ever because one of those things was good. Although that might not be the case this year. I want to get to starting with this. And you're from Ohio, but this is a, you're a South Florida guy at this point. Have you ever been in a South Florida sports scene where the Panthers literally all they have to do is win a little bit and they will own it because nobody else is any good enough to try to own it? Well, first off, I was born and raised in Miami, so there's that. I do have I do have Ohio roots. Let's just, that, that that is true. Um, second off, there's still the Miami Heat, and I think that the, you know, based on their success over the past couple decades, honestly, uh, down here the Miami Heat have kind of taken over a lot of uh, the coverage and, um, you know, a lot of talk of the town, It'll, you know, it's, it has become a bit of a basketball town, but, but to your point, I do think that if the Panthers are able to get this thing going, this is a perfect time for them to, to, to really kind of reclaim some, you know, reclaim their seat at the table, if you will, because they've lost it over the years and we all know why, and we all know how, and this is an opportunity for the Panthers that, 
you know, they, they can't squander for, for many reasons, but not just that. And in fact, that's probably low on the list, but they really need to get this thing going. Um, you know, they, they've wasted the last couple of years. Some of these guys, some prime years that, that, that have gone to almost to, to the waste um, just based on the end result. But uh, the, listen, I wrote, I wrote, you know, for tomorrow's, you know, for the athletic that's coming out Thursday, this is arguably the best lineup, most talented lineup they've ever put on the ice. And, you know, this, this, this has all the makings of something good. It has all the makings of something good, but it's the Panthers. We know that they can kind of, well, ruin that. But let's not focus on how they can ruin it now. You were talking about covering the preseason, how things seem a little bit different. Uh, my friend Tommy would say it's because they hired a professional coach, but we're not going to go into that realm. But with Joel Quenville, and now you've gotten a chance to get to know him a little bit better, and you've got to see his team play a little bit, even if we haven't seen the full breadth of what he's trying to do. What's, what is the biggest difference between covering Panthers teams in the past and covering this one? I, I do believe it, yeah. I mean, and I'm not, I've never been one to, to, to kind of, you know, talk bad about the guy that was just here, and I'm not going to talk bad about Bob Bugner. The, you know, he was, he was inexperienced as a head coach. We know that. Um, but just the way that Joel Quinville runs things, or, or he runs practices like I've never seen Panther practices run, and that goes all the way back – you know, to Jacques Martin back in 2005. Um, guys are constantly moving. There's there's no, you know, sitting around, no screwing. They're constantly doing something. Every every piece of that practice um, has a meaning. And, and it reminds me of when you talk about, uh, you know, college football coaches, when an NFL coach goes to a college and he goes, man, I was really impressed with the way that team practices. You can see how that team why so many of those kids succeed and why they go to the NFL, yada, yada, yada. And that's kind of what the Panthers are doing. These guys have, you know, they're only out there for an hour, hour and change, but, but they are really getting their money's worth. And, and I do see a difference. I mean, the, the, these guys are energetic. They're fired up. There's no, you know, it, it, it's just the excitement level among these players for tomorrow. Uh, I just haven't seen it before. Do you think, and maybe this is a bad way of putting it, but is it kind of like a, okay, playtime's over kind of sentiment? Do you get what I mean? I, I think so. And, and I think that, that, that maybe, you know, guys didn't do this on purpose, but when you have a, have a guy that doesn't have a whole lot of experience as a coach, I think we've seen that maybe with Kevin Deneen and, and, and Bob Bugner. We didn't see it much with, with, with Gerard Gallant because he did have some experience and had kind of learned from that experience on how to handle guys. Um, there, there were ways they could get around things and, and, and they want to be pushed. I mean, these guys don't want to end the season in April. They don't want to be 12 points out of the playoffs. They wanted someone to come in here and push them and grind them and, and make them do things. And, and sometimes some guys are going to pay the price more than others. Um, we're going to see some guys who are going to get sat down. We're going to see some guys sitting in the press box that maybe aren't used to being sat in the press box. But at the end of the day, you have to think it'll be for their best and, and, and maybe, you know, wake some things up and, and get things going in the right direction. We haven't seen that yet. We haven't played game one yet either. Um, but I think that the accountability that Joel Quinville is going to hold these guys to is going to hold water because, First off, he's got the five-year contract. Second off, he's Joel Quinville, and he's got 
the support of the full organization. So if he sits a guy down, there's not going to be any crying to the owner, going to the going to J, to, to Dale Talon, going to me. Whatever Joel Quinville says is going to stand. So I want to get into this with the Panthers because there's another thing that we have never seen the Panthers do, and that's spend money to this degree, obviously. And it was a question that I had for years as to whether they were actually going to do it, and then they've finally done it. That also raises yeah. the stakes for this season because it's not a team that, well, makes money, but as the HGTV principle, as I call it, goes, you have to pay for the better stuff in order to make money in resale. And that's kind of now why I think this team – they all, there's always pressure to win, but now people are paying attention because they did spend money and they did bring in big names, and, and that is foreign to this organization. Do you, how do you think they're going to respond to that? Because for all that Joel Quenville's used to, all that Dale Talon's used to, there are a lot of players that this is kind of foreign to when you see, oh, look, everybody's watching us now because they expect us to win. This is not a, oh, we'll yeah. surprise you. They expect us to do well now. Yeah, I, I spoke to uh, Mike Hoffman about it today, and, you know, he's only been here the one season. Um, but I asked him what the difference was, and he goes, hey, listen, you know, they obviously went out and spent all this money. They they bought, brought in a coach. You didn't have to spend that money. You have to spend money in the cap, right? You have to spend a certain amount of money, but you don't have to spend $20 million over. You don't have to spend $6 million on a coach. He says the feeling is that – They've given been given every opportunity to to win. That the owners, J, uh, Dale Talon, everybody within the hockey operations department, you know, has one goal, and that's to win. Now you can say it, you can say it all the time. I mean, in 2010 or whatever, when Dale Talon came in, we're going to win the cup, and we all kind of laughed because you know they wouldn't spend any money, and, and you know the story. Um, but now they are spending that money, and they're they're putting pieces around what they already have guys that they've already invested in, um, you know, guys like Mike Hoffman. I mean, they brought him in last year for a couple draft picks. Um, you know, they could have gone with a couple of the kids, and instead they bring in Hoff, and he scores 30-something goals. So um, I, it's, it's definitely been noticed, not only in that locker room, but across the National Hockey League. People have noticed what the Panthers have done, and when you spend that kind of money, it's hard not to be noticed. So let's talk about a couple players uh, that this season is very important to. You know what Barkoff and Huberto are going to do at this point. I think it's pretty much guaranteed what they're going to do, whether they get the point totals they got a year ago. Open question. By the way, Jonathan Huberto at some point this season is going to become the all-time leading point getter in Florida Panthers history. It was Ole Okunin, and yeah. I think it's 419, and Huberto's going to get to 420 at some point in February. That gives you an idea of not just how good Huberto is, but how bad the Panthers' history has been. Just a, a right, minor aside. Right. But for players that I think it's a very interesting season for, there's two of them. Vincent Trocek, who, let's take away the injury last year, he had a bad year. And I bet he'd tell you that in the candid mm -hmm. moment. And Mike Matheson, who a lot of eyes are going to be on. If those two, specifically, take the step to being what the Panthers think they can be, and in many cases what Trocek has been, that raises the ceiling for this team in a way that even good coaching and good goaltending probably doesn't because – for those two players, the Panthers are expecting a lot out of them, and last year they gave them very little. But they, they believe in them, and they're going to be put in places to succeed this year. Are those the two players for you that I think there's a lot more room to grow? Because I can't think of any other players that aren't young where i like, okay, this, these players have to take the next step for the Panthers to take the next step. Yeah, I'll start with Mike Matheson because I don't think that there's – 
you know, there are few guys as skilled as he is. I mean, he did the, the way he can, and the things he can do on the ice um, are impressive. And, and I think we saw that early on and he's had, he had a rough year last year and I don't know what happened where things were just piling on. Um, you know, it seemed, it seemed very fixable. It seemed like a lot of mental stuff, um, you know, the old grip of the stick too, you know, too much, you know, he'd get behind the net and you, you could picture it now. I'm sure. I could picture uh, about you know, like seven or eight of those moments just off the top. Yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you could name the games probably because, because they were just, he would turn the puck over and, and cough it up right in the, you know, right in a, in a tough spot. And in years past, you know, a lot of those mistakes get covered up by the goaltender. Last year, it goes in the back of the net, and I think that's why a lot of us saw more of it than than, than in years past. Um, you know, other times you just kind of go, oh, all right, move on, and, and you don't think about it anymore. But So I think he was a little a victim of that because the end result was a goal, and they just kept coming and coming and coming. Um, I think, you know, a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky, and even to an extent, you know, uh, Sam Montembeau, who I've been impressed with this camp, is going to help with that. But, again, I think a lot of it was mental. I think Mike Matheson, without a doubt, is going to be fine. They're, they're, he's, going to be, he's going to be all right. Vincent Trocek, yes, he had a, a gruesome injury. It was brutal. Uh, I can't believe he only broke his ankle because it looked like he broke three different things in his leg. Um, including, you know, his ACL and his MC and, you know, everything. I mean, that, that leg looked awful and it was just quote unquote an ankle break. And, you know, he came back after two months and gave him a, gave him a boost. And then, then it went back to being a frustrating season for him. I think it was, it was not a great season before he got hurt and it wasn't a great season when he got, when he came back, he ends with 10 goals, um, whatever. He never really got going other than a few, a few games here and there. And I think that, you know, being able to be put right back and in, in running that second line, he's going to have Hoffman with him to start. He's going to have Brett Connolly, who's going to go to the net, who's going to do a lot of little things that maybe he hasn't had next to him. So I think just from that aspect, I think we are going to see a nice bounce back from Vincent Trocek. And, you know, Mike Matheson, like I said, now, now you just wonder. Not everybody can be on the uprise. Who's going to come down? And that, I guess, we'll find out soon enough. I think for me, the 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 question for some of those players is: Do they have the ability within the system? What Joel Quenville wants to do to play more reined in. I think Tommy and I have talked about how Mike Matheson often tries to do too much, rushes the puck, tries to do everything himself. Vincent Trocheck yeah. tries to do everything in the offensive zone. It, does Joel Quenville coach that out of them? It seems like they he can. He's a very good coach, and he has respect. And he, but you know, my, my, that's my thing with those two players, particularly, is are those things going to be coached out of these players, or are these things that these players do something that you just have to coach around? And that's something I don't know because I haven't watched the full preseason with the Panthers, only a couple games here and there. But I think that's something that I'm looking forward to. So what are reasonable expectations then for Barkoff and Huberto? Because they both had incredible seasons last year, and – if, if things bounce a little differently, Barkov gets 100 points. What are reasonable expectations for them? I think at least 82 a point a game is probably reasonable because I don't think they can quite do what they did a year ago. And I don't know if the power play is going to be nearly as good as it was a year ago. Is, does that seem reasonable or is it something a little bit different for those two? 
I, I would think that you aim for 80, 85 points for all three of those guys, even Dadinov, who, who's, I think, last year had a career high with 70, 70 points. Yeah, 70 points is his career high, but I, I think he can get even more, you know, being on that top line consistently. Because let's not forget when this season started last year, you know, it wasn't Barkov, Huberto, and Dadinov. It was, you know, Nick Bugstad was in there, and they, they used everybody they could uh, for the first 20, 25 games. And so these guys are going to be together from game one. If they do the things that they were doing last year, nobody's going to take them apart. Um, they're going to be able to play together as long as they're successful. Now, there are going to be some games where maybe they're not generating any chances and, and you know, they, they break them up and try to mix some things in. You put Vetrano in there. You put Hoffman up there. But eventually, you know, in a game, or you know, they're going to get right back together. So you're going to see them on the ice a lot obviously on the, the, the first power play unit. So they're going to have plenty of opportunity to, to add to what they did last year. Again, I don't know if, if Barkov's going to get 96, but I do think that he, he definitely has a chance at 100. Um, and I think all three of those guys have a chance to get at least 80, 85. And, and I think if that happens, I think everybody would be happy with that. How much juggling of, of lines and pairs do you think we're going to see? Because we joked – that Bob Bugner would do anything to change the lines, but the defense pairings never changed. I think with Joel Quinville, right. he has no issue, maybe aside from the top line, he'll put things in a blender as much as humanly possible. And you kind of want to see that when things don't work. How much do you think, like, these are the lines you see opening night. If it's not going well in the second period of Game 3 against Carolina, how much do you think we're going to see all this stuff put in a blender and we'll come out with a different result? I think we're going to see quite a bit of that. I mean, just based on uh, uh, Joel's history in, in Chicago, he was big on rotating things and, and seeing what would work. I mean, he's a guy that coaches the entire 60 minutes, so you can see line changes in the first. Um, and he is going to change defensive pairings throughout. I mean, I don't think he's married to any of them. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of guys play with, you know, play, play with one another and, um, you know, get, you know, they're all going to have to get used to playing with, with different partners as we move forward. Um, but for, yeah, we've got the opening night lines and we'll see how long those last, but I do think that uh, Joel will uh, mix and match and, and do whatever he thinks uh, needs to be done. And even, you know, like I just said, I don't think the first, the first line is immune from that, although as long as they're producing, he's not going to touch it. I don't think Huberto and Barkov are going to play away from each other all that often, but beyond that, I... Yeah, I mean, actually, I actually agree with that. That was, you know, every time those two are apart, their numbers sink, not only offensively, but defensively as well. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to be apart, but a lot of other things could change. I want to talk about a couple of cuts from preseason. The lineup is expected, but Riley Stillman and Owen Tippett, in the brief things that I saw, I thought yeah. they're both going to make this team. I thought, Tippett especially, I thought, third year out of the draft, this is his time, and he doesn't make the team. The reason why I think can be explained by waivers, because they didn't want to lose Dryden Hunt and Josh Brown through waivers, even though I think Tippett and Stillman are better players. It's not all that dissimilar from Henrik Borgstrom not making the team last year, which was a decision that was wrong from the start, and they didn't rectify until December when they were already well past screwed. Uh, do you th and, but this team's deeper than last year. Do you think when do you think we see Tippett this year? Because you hope he gets his feet under him on a hopefully better Springfield team than in years past. But it's a third year for a first round pick, and the concern is is that the development's just not happening. When when do you think we're going to see him? Injuries happen, obviously. Do you think he's the first in the queue of the Fords to get called up? And I'll ask about Stillman a little bit later. 
Yeah, I, I think he is, and I think he deserved to be on the team. And I think, um, you know, if I'm the Panthers and, you know, I'm not, I, I, I sit him down and, and, and let him know, hey, you, you probably, on any other year, you made this team. Uh, we just couldn't afford to lose a couple guys through waivers. And, hey, uh, we can send you down and not have that problem. So one day, you know, you know he's going to be the beneficiary of that. Um, although you, you would think that he's higher up on the, on the food chain than, than that. But, again, I think it was just a numbers thing. Again, this, this team is so close up against the cap. They usually carry 23 players. They're only able to carry 22 right now. So there's one less roster spot. You've got guys like Josh Brown. You've got Dryden Hunt. Both would have to go through waivers. One or both of them could be plucked off. You know, you look at some teams that could really use some defensive help. I think Josh Brown, with his size and his, you know, and, and the way he plays, somebody would pick him up to be a, a, a bottom pairing defenseman, I think. And I think Dryden Hunt showed in his time here last year with the Panthers that he, that he brings value to the team, and you wouldn't want to lose that for nothing as, as well. So there are going to be injuries. I mean, it's part of the game. They're going to have to draw from from Springfield. And at some point, and, and and I think that that Riley Stillman definitely played well enough to be on this team. I think he's the first defenseman to come back if there's an injury, and if there's a forwarder's hurt, I think Owen Tippett does as well. But I think this is a good opportunity for both. And listen, Riley Stillman completely understands it. I never did talk to Tip about it, but I think he does. These guys are, you know, they know the business of hockey. Um, they came here, they gave it their best shot, they did everything they could. And at the end of the day, they lost out on a, you know, on the on the on the paper of it because nobody got hurt. Like Troy Brower said, you know, we knew what the we knew what the situation was when camp opened, and nothing budged, nothing changed. There were no injuries, there were no guys traded. So it is what it is. The, it 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 start training camp started the way it, it ended. So for those guys, they just need to go to Springfield, continue playing well, and their time will come. Well, I do want to say something about trades because I have, and Tommy has, been on the Mark Pesic needs to be traded bandwagon for a while. And according to what you tweeted out today, he's looking like he could be a healthy scratch on uh, today. We're recording this on Wednesday again, inside baseball stuff. Sure. So with this, with Pesic, there's been a lot of rumors about him being traded because of the way the Panthers cap situation is for next year. I don't think there's going to be many ways to bring him back. And to be honest... You know, there are other players on the team who could do a better job than what Pesic said. We've, we've made our point about Pesic clear. Do you think that a trade could happen? Because the re main reason why we suggested a trade was because if you're not going to play him, it's a lot of cap space to be in the, in, the, in the press box. And if you do trade him, you then how have cap space, not just for now, which allows you to call up a 14th forward, but it also allows you to have cap space for the trade deadline when we know they're going to try to do something. So do you think a Pesic trade's still on the cards? Um, he's still here. Right. I mean, uh, I, I, I think, yeah, I think they've tried, they've tried trading him and, and it hasn't happened. Um, I, I think I've got nothing against Mark Pizzik. I actually, I like the guy. I think he's a good player, but right now on your team, he's a five, six and at 2.7 million for, for a guy, for a cap team, that's a luxury that you can't afford. Uh, whether he's in the press box or we're playing five, six, I, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it looks worse in the press box, obviously, but it, you just can't afford that. And then part of the problem is his, 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 his salary cap hit is 2.7, but he's making 3.5 million in real money. So a lot of teams look at him as a five, six 
on their team as well. And that's a, that's a big price to pay. So um, they're going to keep working on it. Like you said, they need to do something. They need to clear up some cap room if, and when they need to make a deal down the road, um, you know, to add to this team, come, come, come trade deadline time. And, and we'll see what happens. But I, I think they've been trying to trade Mark Fezzik and it just hasn't worked. The only other player on this roster that I could see being a trade candidate is Colton Sevier. And that's just because, not that he's bad, but you could get plug in many guys to do fourth line duty and he makes 1.2 as opposed to Dryden, right. who does not make that. I, that's the only other player I could see this happening to. Um, want to get to goaltending because it's been so bad for the Panthers in the last couple of years and it was Luongo running into the wall of time and James Reimer having all the struggles that he had completely different now but my question is not how well Sergei Borovsky is going to play because we know he's going to play well enough to be very very good most of the time we know that Sam Montenbeau I think and others of us think that he's very capable of playing a solid 20 games in the NHL and being a decent enough backup but what's the split going to look like? Because we see so many teams now going to more of like a 50-32 or a 45-37 kind of platoon. The Panthers did it last year out of necessity because no one could stop a puck. But when they made the playoffs a couple of years ago, Roberto Luongo played, I think it was 60 games or something like that. Do you think the Panthers are going to end up riding Bobrovsky more or giving him a few more days off and saying, we need you for the playoffs? I, I think that's going to come with time. I mean, I think they're going to figure out what they've got with Sam Montembeau. I think they were very impressed with his camp. Um, I, I think he looks like a completely different goalie than he did a year ago, um, you know, both in the room and, and just on the ice. Um, but, again, um, you talk about teams that have the 50-30 split, whatever it is, um, they're not paying that goalie $10 million a year. So um, that plays a role in it. They, they brought in Sergey because – that's the game he plays. He's a workhorse. And there is, there is a train of thought in Columbus that they worked him too much. And maybe that affected him when the postseason came around. It didn't last year um, when, when, he, when he swept uh, Tampa Bay. Um, but in years past, he's kind of taken a lot of that heat when he was a big reason why they were there in the first place, um, when he would play 15 out of the final 16 games and, and just carried a team. So we're going to have to see how, how all that works out. Um, I, I would still think that, 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 that Bob gets at least 60 games, if not 65, um, you know, barring injury, of course. Um, but uh, if, if Monty comes in there and really shows that, that he can play um, early on in the season, I don't see why they wouldn't give him an extra start or two that maybe they hadn't planned on. Um, in the original plan. So, again, we're just going to have to wait and see where this team is. I think they're going to play it by ear. Um, I, I think they do They do have a, a plan, but it's in pencil. They can erase it at any time and um, uh, see, where, see where the game takes them. They have a very interesting schedule, of course, with 9 of 13 on the road, a couple of back-to-backs, some weird start times. I, I think we might see him more than we think early on, and that's good because – you want to see him, but I also think that they need to play Bobrovsky a little bit less because if you want to be a playoff team, you're not going to be starting Sam Montembeau unless you have to. Uh, I want to talk about the Lightning for a second, and they've played now, by the time that this is all over, they'll play the Lightning five straight times. And just from reading the tweets during preseason, I couldn't watch the games. It seems like these teams have a very healthy dislike for one another, more than usual. I think there, there was some big hits, there was some chippiness, the nastiness, and I mean, that's what you want to see. Uh, they play all of their regular season games before the turn of the calendar year 
which is odd, but is always the way the weirdness of the schedule goes. And the hope is that they make it to the playoffs and they play each other. What do you think about this? You've seen a lot of Panthers-Lightning games. We joked about the Governor's Cup already. But do you think this is actually a thing, like a real rivalry? Because we've seen San Jose and Vegas, they hate each other. Coaches were trying to chirp each other, Washington, Carolina. Do you think the Panthers-Lightning preseason beef is a real thing? It is and it isn't. I mean, I I think you do see when those two play um, over the years, I I think the intensity is definitely more intense, if that's even a thing. Yeah, it's it's definitely more intense when these two play. I mean, there's definitely an edge when, when those guys are on the ice. And when it's over, it's over. And I don't think there is that hatred. I mean, you look at San Jose and Las Vegas. Where where did that come from? That came from the playoffs. Those guys legitimately hate each other based on what they've done to each other in the postseason uh, the last couple years. And I think for Florida and Tampa Bay to really amp up this uh, ramp up this uh, rivalry, I, I think a playoff series is needed. I mean, this is year 26, and and. and Neither team has really been good at the same time. Tampa Bay's been, you know, good lately, um, more so than the Panthers. Um, they just, have, you know, it's there's really only been one time where they could have met, and that's 2016. Uh, had the Panthers beaten the Islanders, if Vincent uh, we would have tripped, which he was, and the yeah. referees decided to call that. And, you know, Troach disagrees with you, by the way. I've asked I, him that. But it doesn't just... matter whether he disagrees. I watched the game. I saw it with my own eyes. I know what a tripping penalty looks like, and I know what an empty net goal looks like when there's a penalty. Because I, yeah, the... listen, I'm, I'm with you, but let's just I, say – I had the playoffs once, so I've seen it. It's, fu- it's fine. Also, I mean, if random Islander goaltender doesn't go on a heater, the Panthers probably win that series. Anyway – we don't need to look back. Definitely on that. random. Yes, it was definitely random, for uh, sure. Yeah. So anyway, so they should. What they sh- years, years after that. I mean, for sure. I mean, exactly. uh, you know, I, I know. I, I, it's the only one we've got for other than you want to look back on 2012, and that seems like it was an ages ago because it was. Uh, for this season. So, so what it should have, we would have had 2016, and who knows what would have happened there, and. You know who? Well, they, you know that could have that could have changed that could have changed guys. the whole course of the franchise. You know what I mean? I mean, well, if, we if be yeah, the Panthers about, go know, deep in 2016, who knows what we happens? We wouldn't be talking about 20. Well, again, that's another podcast for another day. But we wouldn't be talking about I yeah. mean, at this point 24 years without winning a playoff series, which in a parity-filled league is oh. insane. So let's talk about the season then. The Panthers are in a, a division that's got two teams that are absolutely awful one that probably will be awful, a team they're going to be competing with for a playoff spot in the Montreal Canadiens, and perhaps the three best teams in the league ahead of them. We all think that this team's going to make the playoffs. Even though I am truly a fatalist, and I've seen a lot of things with the Panthers, I have tried to find permutations in which they can't make it, and I really haven't found one, because last year this team did so many things without having a save or uh, really good coaching. And they have those things now, we think. Uh, you had them finishing, I think it was first wild card and playing Washington, which is exactly where I have them. Uh, what is the best case scenario then for this team? Do you think that in a best case scenario, they leapfrog Tampa, Toronto, or Boston? Is that even feasible? Or is it one of those, if they get the first wild card, nobody's really going to complain because the Panthers just don't make the playoffs? <laughs> Yeah, I think best-case scenario, you could see the, the Panthers winning this division. Why not? I mean, uh, they, they, 
this team was was better last year than it showed. Um, they won the they won the they won the division three years ago. Uh, Tampa Bay obviously had some injury problems. Didn't make the playoffs that year. Well, yeah, they did, but whatever. They, they, it was they, just I, I, as I said before. It kind of happened as an accident. Like the Panthers were yeah. pretty solid when the Lightning had catastrophic injuries. The Canadians had catastrophic injuries. The Leafs were yeah. outright tanking. Detroit was at the end of its run. It just was. It was like 2012 when no one wanted to win the Southeast, and the Panthers somehow did. It was a perfect confluence of circumstances. They're not going to have that yeah. this year. Although the East's bar, no. I think you would agree, is a little bit lower than it's been. Because two years ago they had 96 and missed the playoffs. Last year Montreal had 96 and missed the playoffs. I think the bar is right. a little bit lower this year in the East for entry, and that helps a team that probably right now, if I had to peg it out, would be somewhere between like. I don't know, 94 and 100 just seems like that. That seems like the number and whether that's good enough for third in the Atlantic, I doubt it, but I think this year it's probably good enough for the playoffs. Yeah. And like I say, the best case scenario, yeah, they, they could definitely challenge for the, let, let's say Tampa Bay, you know, lets the, lets their foot off the pedal a little bit and says, you know, Hey, listen, let's just get in the playoffs and go from there. Forget about, you know, getting 128 point, whatever the heck they had last year. Well, you got it right. It was um, yeah. So let's just go with what we, yeah, let's just go and, and let's just make, make sure we're in the playoffs and not worry about everything else. Um, and I, I don't see them doing that. I think they're going to go out and try and win every game they play because that, you know, that's, that's how they, you know, that's how you do. But uh, yeah, I mean, why not? This team could definitely contend with Tampa Bay, with Toronto, with Boston. I think over the course of a season, those, those three teams right this second look better, but uh, Hey, anything can happen. And listen, the New York Islanders last year were in the playoffs. We, nobody saw that coming. Um, with the with the summer that they had, so there's going to be some surprise teams. There's going to be some crazy stuff that happens. That's what we love about the NHL, and you know maybe maybe this is the year that works in the Panthers' favor. I don't know. I would hope so. I mean, if you spend all the money, you hope that that would be the thing. Uh, is there anybody on this? Is there anything about this team that you think hasn't been talked about enough that could be? A very big story this year. Is there an underreported player, a coaching thing? What is it about this team that hasn't been talked about all that much that you think could play a huge role this year? I think that uh, you know, looking at some of the, so you know, because we all know the big names on the Panthers, but I think you know, uh, Henrik Borgstrom. I, I really want to. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do starting the season here. He looks like a very confident guy i don't think that he had that confidence at the end of last year when he was you know dropped all the way down to fourth was was getting eight minutes a game or whatever getting healthy scratched for some um i I think that was a real you know throat punch for him a little bit last year um but i think he feels rejuvenated and ready to go i think dennis mulgan is in the same boat. I think uh, we know Dennis Mulgan has some skills, some speed. Is he going to be able to score? I, we'll, we'll find out. But but he's going to be given a chance here. Um, you know, Q has has called him out by name in a positive manner um, during training camp. So you know, Dennis Mulgan's going to get the opportunity to see what he can do. So I think there are some. Some some different Mackenzie Weger has turned himself into an NHL defenseman and player, quite clearly. Yeah, let's see let's see how if he continues 
that upward climb, and I, I think he will because they're giving him more and more responsibility. Last year, Bob Bugner gave him an opportunity on the second power play unit. Uh, first time he'd played power play since, you know, since junior or whatever. So, um, he, you know, he, we might see him a little bit in replacing Ekblad or if, you, you know, well, Yandel's never out, but you know what I mean. Maybe not so, power play. Um, I would like to see him more get bigger defensive responsibilities. I've said on the yeah, podcast, he, is, he is getting that. I mean, I, I think he's on the second pairing now. I think we're listing it as the third, but it looks more like the second, but we'll see. Well, that's, um, well, that's so I, I think – he had the best defensive season on a team last year that couldn't stop anything. So yeah, no, I think I think Mackenzie Weger had had a quietly ex- exceptional season last year, and I think that he's going to continue to get to, to to rise up. So there are guys like that that I, I enjoy watching and seeing their progression and. And, uh, you know, every, we all know about Barkov and, you know, like you said, Huberto and everybody and Hoffman's going to light it up. So, um, you know, some of those guys are interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. There's always plenty of interesting players to watch. So let's say we're going to fast forward April 8th, 2020. That's the start date for the NHL playoffs. Where are you going to be? Uh, eating Chinese food in Washington, D.C. at about 5 o'clock, which is my pregame meal in Washington, D.C., and heading over to the, uh, whatever they call it, Verizon Center. You can call it the MCI Center if you want. Yeah, I'm going to the MCI Center, the CAP Center, wherever they call it. I'll be in Washington, D.C. The CAP Center was in Landover. That was different. I know, I know, but I like calling it the Cap Center. Well, it it, well, it makes it, it makes it makes the the Wizards people mad. Uh, well, you well, you won't be running into any Wizards people on April the eighth. They will not make the playoffs. I can guarantee that. They will not. They will not. They will not be around. As you said, you think seventh seed overall in the East, and they're playing Washington in, in the in the. Uh, in the first round, which is what I think they're going to do. Yeah, I, I mean, so, yeah, looking at it from today, you know, get seasons, you know, yeah, as of right this second, yeah, that's where I've got them. I mean, I, I just think Tampa Bay is still the class of the division. Uh, Boston and Toronto are loaded, and Florida is right there with them. And, you know, I, I think Florida at the end of the day ends up fourth in, in the Atlantic, and that's good enough for, you know, first, first wild card. And I, you know what, as much as it is – you spend all this money and you think maybe they can challenge a little bit higher. And then you'd like to see them do that. But I think here it's a matter of you got to just get in and what happens after that. It's not the right mindset. It's not what the players are thinking. But I think from the people covering the team and the people watching the team, it's going to be get in and what happens after that we'll worry about when it happens. Yeah. And, and listen, if you get in as one of the you know two or three in the Atlantic, you know, let's say they finish second in the Atlantic. With, and then you've got a first-round series against Boston. Woo! That's going to be something nice, isn't it? I mean, well, that's going to be mean, a There's also a the, the idea that you could play – you could play – again, imagining a, a Leafs-Panthers series. I mean, the annoying thing would be the stories about how many Leafs fans there would be. But, I mean, for me, like, finishing the first wild card means you play a Washington team that you know has a playoff hoodoo, and the Panthers would go in with no expectations in comparison to the Capitals, even though the Panthers have Quenville and all that. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't want a Toronto series. I don't feel like going through customs three uh, different times. I, so there are reasons why I think a Panthers-Leaf series would be very interesting, but um, we'll talk about that. I think the number one, though, is, I mean, if you, it, it is Panthers-Lightning. I think that that's what everybody wants yeah. to see. Second would be maybe... I, mean, I, could, I, could, I, could, I could see that. I could... Listen, yeah, well, listen, Tampa Bay could finish second, Florida could finish third, and there you go, first round, 
or the Panthers or the or barely get in. They're the second wild card, and they have to play the first seeded Lightning. I mean, who knows? I don't think so, the Lightning want to see the Panthers in the playoffs, considering who's in goal now. Yeah, I, I think the Lightning just want to just want to get in, and, and they just want to fast forward to, to April. What do you say, April eighth? April. 8th. I think Tampa Bay just wants to fast forward to April eighth and get that get you know try and uh, erase last year. So. Maybe in April they won't shut down Alligator Alley randomly at this point, like they did today. <laughs> Seriously, man. I, I, I don't know. know right? I don't know what happened. It could have been an accident. It could have been a fire. It, you it, know, they it, could have done it. It's always something there. Uh, last thing, and George, you're awesome, and you should be reading him on the Athletic if you haven't been doing that already. What are you looking for in Game One? Simple enough. Um, I'm just looking forward to a you know like like another goalie battle. I mean, I think we saw it the other night with Vasilevsky and Bobrovsky, and yes, it was only a preseason game, but but there was a there was a good vibe for that 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 final uh, uh, exhibition game on Saturday night. Um, I thought both goalies played outstanding. Uh, Bobrovsky was just turning stuff away. He's so much fun to watch. I mean, just watch him. If you ever get to go down to the, you know, if you're at a game and you get to go for warm-ups, just go down low and watch him go through his routine. He's a lot of fun to watch. The guy is so key, so dialed in and focused. Um, it's just it's just impressive, um, and I think we're going to see two really good goalies go tomorrow. Listen, last year in the opener, it was a it was a two to one shootout, you know, with with Reimer playing pretty well in relief of Luongo. Um, so maybe we get the same kind of thing, but I think there's going to be a little little added juice. I mean, these teams, like you said, don't like each other very much. There's not that level of hatred between San Jose and, and Las Vegas, but. Um, there is a little bit of dislike, and uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna crank her up. Last last question, and it just came to me that I haven't asked something about this yet. What are we thinking the buildings good, back in Sunrise? What are we thinking the building's gonna look like in terms of attendance? I heard earlier in the year that there were some things that were happening that were good that people saw hiring Quenville and like, oh, okay. Do you think? Because last year there were times when the building was a little dead. Sometimes when it wasn't. Usually when snowbird teams came along do you think we're going to see for the average tuesday night in november game do you think the building is going to be a little bit more juiced than it was because of that i don't know i mean i don't know i i, I think it's still going to take some time I, I think there yes i think there there are more people interested in the panthers um in south florida but i don't know if those people have uh are ready to, to commit financially to it we're gonna see because don't forget in november into november the panthers have like 12 out it's of 13 at home or something crazy the, i did it yeah yeah they've, they've got a ton of they've got a ton of home games during that you know month of november where they usually don't draw very well and they've got some teams coming down here that traditionally don't draw very well so we're gonna find out pretty soon um, you know how they've done ticket-wise, and what the uh, energy level is for for the love, for the fans down here. Um, but if they get off to a good start and they get a buzz going, like you said, this is a, this is a market that's starving for something positive right now. After the the, the season the Marlins have had, the years the Marlins have had, and what the Dolphins are doing, I, I think people are ready to, to 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 jump on the on board some kind of bandwagon, and uh, you know maybe the Panthers can be that team. Again, I think, th what does the crowd look like when they come home from that road trip that Saturday against the first Saturday in November when they play the Red Wings? What does the crowd look like that night? If you get a decent size crowd, because I've seen, we've seen the building get 20. Oh, well, for a Saturday night against Detroit, 
if they if they come back and they've had some success, you could see sixteen, seventeen thousand. I think that, as I said, like people think, oh, there's maybe no more to these games. I remember there. I know you remember games when there's twenty k in the building, so it's not as if it's impossible. And it's twenty k mostly. Listen, when when this team was, I did a story out the other a couple months ago, looking at when they opened the building. I think they were third in the NHL in attendance. They dropped a little bit that second year. It, but then they had Pavel Burry. They, you know, every Saturday night, every Friday and Saturday night was a sellout for the Panthers. Um, and then they got rid of Burry, and, and everything just kind of, you know, all the poly, you know, all the crazy stuff went on, and that was that. But um, yeah, I think they can get people back. But you've got to win, and you got to win consistently. And this team just hasn't done it. They they were in the playoffs in twelve, last place in thirteen. They were in the playoffs in sixteen, and last place in seventeen. So you've got to be able to win and win consistently. And I think they've built the team to do that. Well, it's going to be a fascinating start to the season, and we're looking forward to it at least until the optimism goes away. But I'm hoping that's not the case. George, the Athletic, thank you so much. You're the man, as always. Oh, you're welcome. Can't wait to see you come again very, very soon on this podcast, but we're hopefully talking about a Panthers team that's very, very good. And hopefully you're going on more shows to talk about how good the Panthers are. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see uh, how it goes. I, I think people want to talk to you, George. <laughs> yeah, not really. I'm not a very popular fellow. Nobody wants to talk to me. I, I think you're under. I think you're underselling it. <laughs> I think you're underselling it because you went to find Sergei Popovsky at a hotel in Miami, <laughs> and that was great reporting. So, come on. I think people want to talk to you about stuff like that. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Well, no I've, been talking, I've been talking a lot about the Panthers this year. There's definitely a buzz around the league for this team, and uh, I think it's warranted. And, again, I mean, they added $20 million in salary this year alone. Make it 26 when you add – Joel Quinville, so uh, people have definitely taken notice. Uh, well, hopefully the ice results will get to take notice. Thank you, George. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Be good. Mm-hmm.